Hey everyone, Kaprogman here. Did you know that we have a Patreon page? That's right, if you go to patreon.com slash wafflingtailors, you can help support the show. It turns out the podcasts aren't free. I mean, they're free to download, but they're not really free to create, kind of, because you have to host them somewhere. Anyway, what we're after doing is we're after trying to make sure that we're fully funded. We're obviously doing this off of our own backs, and we are loving it, because it's loads of fun. But uh, you can help out if you want from as little as $1 a month, and if you do that, you get loads of bonus content. If you go there now, you'll see that there's already a whole bunch of bonus content for the $1 tier already. We're planning on releasing a bunch of bonus episodes under the $5 tier, except that we've got one coming up that is going to be under the $1 tier, just to see how you guys feel and what you think about it. So head over to patreon.com slash wafflingtailors and give us a look and uh, maybe help us out. See you later, Squidgy! Hello everyone and welcome to part two of a discussion with Lulu. This is obviously part two. If you haven't heard part one, go back and listen to part one. It'll be listed in your podcatcher. If you're on the website, go to the previous blog post. It'll be listed there. Uh, if you're not on either of those, I'm not sure how you're listening to this, but there you go. Shortwave um, radio transmission. Well, obviously, that's the only <laughs> other way to listen to it, obviously. Yeah, I'm just mentioning Waffling it. Waffling Taylor's FM. <laughs> oh, God. That would be the worst radio station <laughs> <Jesus>. ever. <laughs> That's going to give me nightmares. Right then, so this is part two. Um, <laughs> remember to listen to part one if you haven't already. Go to wafflingtailors.rocks to check out the show notes. We obviously, we put a lot of effort into those. I was actually told by someone um, earlier this week that um, our show notes are blooming brilliant. So, I mean... Pat yourself on the back for that because I want nothing to do with that. Oh, that's all right. I'll pat myself. Well, I would, but, you know, I can't reach. Um, so, <laughs> here comes part two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sharpening my knife, Coupo. That's, that's an intro. That's as well. the, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the it. intro. So what I was thinking was... Oh, here we go. (laughs) We could maybe discuss our top three Final Fantasy games and Lulu could tell us why we're wrong. Yeah, that sounds about right. Tell us why we're well, wrong. The thing is, I, okay. I yell at me for liking Final Fantasy X. No, I didn't yell at you. I just no, you just shut down my argument in three words. I told you what it was. You're playing a dress-up game. You shut down my argument. He's not wrong. But no, I like the idea of this. I mean, obviously, my opinions are going to differ greatly from your listeners, and that's fine. Um, but out of us three, I'm the one that's stuck with the franchise. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> By choice, repetition, or the fact that you just can't quit now. One of the three. <laughs> I'm in too deep, bro. I'm in too deep. Finally, I get what some 41 was singing about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I love the franchise. Yes, I've got gripes with it. But then, I'm sorry, but if you don't have niggles with something that you love, then it's just, you. what's the point? Well, that's the thing. The the, the amount of people that just blind go, this game's awesome and I'm not going to accept anything otherwise. You can like something and still hate it. Mm-hmm. Or have problems. Oh, yeah, you can still have, like, issue with it. Like, 15, I really enjoyed that game. But <laughs> there is a but there. And I can point out 
um, the things that I felt were a bit lackluster or that they paid too much attention to this or they tried to do that. And or the fact that, you know, a snack is more expensive than petrol. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. And I, you've got to commend Tabata on what he accomplished in the small amount of time he had. You know, and yes, I know people are like, oh, but they keep bringing out DLCs. We keep asking for them. We want answers. And that poor man who, you know, had three years to fix a game that Nomura had for six and did diddly squat with, let's be honest here, guys. And he turned it around. Props to the guy. He's just putting out these DLCs because these were things that he wanted to put in, just didn't have the time. But yeah, I want to hear what what you guys think, and yeah, and uh, I'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> okay. You pry up first. You go first. I have laid down the gauntlet, and I'm going to make sure that I pick it up, slap myself with it. If you don't, I will. Because that's how it works, right? Oh, Lulu will. <laughs> do you want to slap him with it? Because I do. I have my hand poised and ready. <laughs> okay, lay it on me. Okay. So we already know what my top one's going to be. I'm going to avoid seven. Because everyone, like, it's okay to have that the more than one person likes the same video game. Mm-hmm. But as fun as it is, it's a nice little cyberpunky game and adventure, and there's lots of squatting simulator, obviously. Yes, yeah. there's the squatting simulator. Everything's a simulator. I like it. There's the squatting <laughs> simulator scene. There's the, the cross oh, I play it. So I've got a save files just before that. There's, there's the trans simulations uh, section. Mm-hmm. You, you keep, you keep yeah. loading it and you get chosen. Yeah. That's it, yeah, when you're like, no, I will be the person. You are going to choose me. You're not going to choose <laughs> the ladies. You're going to choose me. That's what we really <laughs> want to see in the remake, innit? Cloud dress up oh, as a woman. Oh, hell yeah. And we've been promised it. So if they take that away, I'm going to somehow find the money to go to Japan right. and go and knock on their bloody door and be like, where's my transgender cloud, hmm? I wanted to see him wearing a bustier, makeup, the wig. I needed to see the wig. <laughs> and what you do is you go all the way to Japan, you knock on the door, they, they open it and you go, oi! And then wander off. <laughs> they know what you're on about. Uh, yeah, you show oi, and that, that's how it translates. Yeah. But the thing about the is, for that scene to be realistic, <laughs> right, for that scene to make sense in the game, Cloud has to look uh, convincing as well. I mean, the the model for Cloud anyway is kind of effeminate, to be honest. He is. Almost and all Final Fantasy characters are quite effeminate, to be honest. They they really are. I mean, look at Sephiroth. His hair is glorious. Like, I've had hair envy since 1997 because of him. Like, why isn't my hair long and silver and perfect? Maybe it's Marco Energy. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you could say he was born with it, but let's not go with that. <laughs> Genova hair flip. Yeah, that's all me. But no, I mean, <laughs> trying trying to get back to a bit more of a serious conversation. Seven. I am. I agree with you. Like, I know for a lot of the fans, it's like you know, FF Seven is my favorite. While it is, it isn't for me simply because FF Seven was my first one. It was my first Final Fantasy. It was the one that introduced me into this crazy 20-year obsession that I've been in. And I will always be grateful to it because if it wasn't for Final Fantasy VII, we wouldn't know each other. So It's not just that. If it wasn't for Final Fantasy VII, what would you be into? Probably Zelda. 
because they came out around about the same time. But that you see that that's my argument with the with Final Fantasy VII, right? Everyone picks it as their favorite because it's the first one they played mm. for a lot of people. And I, I know Bob Chipman has made that uh, movie. Bob has made the same argument. And I'm pretty sure that, what's his name? Jim Quisition has probably made the same argument as well, in that everyone says that Final Fantasy VII is the best one because it was their first. Mm. Because it's the yeah. first fully 3D RPG. And it was, uh, don't get me wrong, it's a very engrossing story. Mm-hmm. A lot of problems with it, but it's a very engrossing story. I mean, the game itself was never finished. No. no. It was released unfinished. Mm. Mm-hmm. But no, that's exactly why I would say it was my favourite. I recognise why it holds such a high esteem, shall we say, for me. And that's because it was my first. And, you know, I look back on the past 20 years of my life and the people that I've met, the experiences that I've had, the person I've become easily, I could say. And it does sound like, uh, you know, some people would go, oh, that's a bit far. It's like, no, really, you know, had it not been for me discovering Final Fantasy VII, I don't believe I'd be the person I am today. I wouldn't have you guys in my life because we wouldn't have had that common ground to even start speaking. You know, we wouldn't have been on the same website years ago. You know, I, d- I just look at who I am and I know that Final Fantasy VII is the one that set the wheels in motion for me becoming the person I am. And so, yeah, it will always be special to me. And yes, I do recognize that the game is not perfect, that it, you know, it's not as great as everyone thinks it is. It is a great game, but it's not as great as everyone thinks it is. Like, everyone bangs on about Sephiroth, and it's like, pretty 2D as a villain, I'm just saying. You know, he's a pretty one, I'll give him that. But, you know, as villains go, he's not that complex, When especially when you compare him to Final Fantasy XV's Arden Azunia. Now, that's a villain. Holy moly. I'm really trying not to swear here. <laughs> but good <laughs> God, like, the whole thing with Arden Azunia, he was brilliant such a good villain he was charismatic you were spending most of the game wondering what his motives were is he really a bad guy should i be trusting him why is he helping us is he helping us or is this just him his way of pulling strings that's the kind of villain you want the one that wants that leaves you guessing not sephiroth who's just like so i've killed the president i'm kind of miffed off and I have a mummy complex. Oh, and I want to destroy the world just because, you know. I want to destroy the world because I have a big sword. Yeah. But no, like in terms of villainy, he's not that complex. And I know they went back and, you know, they they did um, Crisis Core and, you know, you had Advent Children that kind of, but still not that. Great. All that Crisis Core did was show that he was a, a person beforehand, before he went crazy. And it's just like, yeah, but even then his personality fell a bit flat compared to like Genesis and, you know, all the other villains that turned up in Crisis Core. I mean, we don't talk about uh, the the red chick. I forget. See, that's what I mean. Some of the, <laughs> Oh, no, she was in... Um, she was in Touch of Cerberus. That's yeah, terrible of me. I Yeah, that's what I mean. But you know, when it comes to Final Fantasy VII, I think the main villain's a materia system. <laughs> yeah. Because by the time you realise what works, 
you're already in a boss battle where you, you forgot to save it before and you're an hour before where you've just done something like, I don't know, you've just achieved, I don't know, getting something like Knights of the Round. Yeah. And then you think you're on such a high and you think, right, I'm going to go into a battle and use it, mm-hmm. not realising that you're going to a battle, all your stats are near to nothing, but you've equipped it and you want to use it and then you get yeah. killed and it says load and then you go through the whole rigmarole getting Knights of the Round again. See, honestly, I always thought that the real villain of FF7 was Hojo. You know, he... I, I know you have Prof- Professor Gast, which is... Spoiler alert! I know it's a 20-year-old game, but spoiler alert! He is... He is Eris's father. And, um, you know... I know... <laughs> shocker you know he's researching the ancients but his his research came from a pure place he just wanted to understand but then unfortunately with his research gave birth to hojo and his desires and then you know hojo he diddled around with vincent and we got what vincent became and then obviously we had the birth of sephiroth and he did more digging on Genova. So yeah, to me, the real villain of it all, even though he's not really there that much, is Hojo, because it all started with him. Mm-hmm. I like the songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, I got a, got a little off track there and a bit, a bit of a tangent. See, I told you I can go on these wicked tangents when it comes to yes. FF. But I agree. A lot of people say Seven is their favourite just because it was their first one. I think it's recognising that fact and finding that it's okay to say like oh well i really loved ff9 or i really loved ff4 it's fine you can you can have a favorite that isn't ff7 you're not gonna get you know arrested by the final fantasy police you might in certain corners of the fandom just stay away from them throw biscuits at them they'll go away Just yell Moogle, point, yeah. they'll turn around and then run. Pretty much. Moogle! Yeah. Yeah. So back on point, you said Final Fantasy VII wasn't one? Yeah. Well, so... Going back 20 minutes here. Now. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, tangent over. So, yeah, it wouldn't be Final Fantasy VII. It can't be Final Fantasy VII just because uh, part of me wants to say Mystic Quest. Oh, what a game. I mean... I've how got that upstairs. I know. How can you beat... How can you not choose a game where... In the first four seconds, your character jumps off of a mountain. No, turns to the camera, shrugs, and then jumps off of a mountain. I think that was where the the, the phrase uh, "YOLO" originated from. Wait, wait, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It wasn't. I'm going to be caught. It's well, you know what? It's a mountain. Let's see what happens. Yeah. What's the worst yeah. that can happen? Yeah. Wait. <laughs> I die, my adventure's over before it's even begun. There's a save file, it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Jump off and then suddenly credits. Well, that was a quick game. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I have a Phoenix down. <laughs> yes. yes, they were called Phoenix Downs, weren't they? Yeah, they yeah bad out. translation. Really bad translation. But no, I, I liked it. The, the, the art style, the colour palette, the music. Progression as well, it wasn't too yeah, difficult. Yeah, you could... There were the little battlegrounds along the way. You had to clear those by going back in three or four times. Ten rounds, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Mystic Quest the, one of the first ones where you saw the enemies on the screen and could essentially pick and choose which fight you would have? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, it was um, you. You saw the enemies. It wasn't random encounters. They were actually on screen as sprites, mm. and then you could either go hurtling towards them. And did, did, did you have like preemptive battles, or was it just you ran into? If them? you if you managed to get behind them, you would have a preemptive strike. If mm. they managed, that's to get right. Them, they'd have a preemptive mm. strike, but otherwise, yeah. And they would kind of they'd walk around on a on a, a pre-selected path. Mm. But if you if you didn't want to fight them, you could time it and walk around them. It's yeah, yeah, I remember that. That battle theme though was epic. Mm. Also, on the fly, you could change your weaponry, couldn't you? Yeah, you push select mm. and you change your weaponry. So you went from a sword to an axe to a bomb to some sort of I don't know throwing cats yeah. and then and you know yeah. a trebuchet. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> liked it. I d- yeah, easily one of my favorites, definitely. Easy enough to pick up and play. And that was one I, I've never played on physical, like the actual physical hardware either. That's always been an emulator. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. so I'd say, I'd say Mystic Quest. That's one. Number three, yeah. I, I can get behind that. I don't know. Um, I think, which was the one with the jobs? Was that three? Wake it. You start off as Onion Knights and you could choose. Yeah, three, one. yeah. Yeah. Actual three. Actual three. Yeah, yeah, yes. not six, which is what we got over here as three. Yeah. 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 The one with the spoony bards. Spoony yes. bards. Yes. Spoony bards. Oh, um, good old spoony bards. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think just because, you know, because of that job system and, you know, it was, it was that was a fun game too, I think, mm. you know. Storyline-wise, it was really good. Um but yeah, with the with the job system, it, it it allowed you so much freedom to play the game how you wanted. It wasn't like, well, here's your three characters. You've got a healer. Well, you know, in in terms of like FF14 MMO, you've got your tank, your healer, your DPS. Have fun. That is your game. Whereas this one, you'd be like, no, I'm gonna go all out mage here, bro. I'm going to be like a little mage army or you could have monks or beast, beast masters, you know, you, you could do whatever you wanted. You could play how you wanted. And I think that appealed to a lot of people that they, they had that freedom to essentially play the game differently every time. Mm. Without, yeah. without trying to infringe on copyright, you can play it your way. Yeah, no, yeah, seriously. Yeah. And each, like you say, each time through you could play and take a different, a different uh, team and a different pathway. Essentially, it's the same. You're essentially playing Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. but a better version than any yeah. other Dungeons and Dragons. You, you want to go right. through and play as four white mages? Good luck to you. Yeah, have fun with that, bro. <laughs> I'll see you in a year. Yeah, you yeah. might go pretty much. But having the freedom to do that, especially on an early system, yeah, mm-hmm. wow, pretty yeah. mind blowing. Because that was what. Uh, I think that. Oh, what year did that come out? Was oh, it 91, 92? It was 93, wasn't it? No, okay. you're thinking. Six. 94 was six. So, yeah, it would have been. Oh, I can't remember the exact year, but it was very early 90s. So, yeah, you know, sophisticated hardware and games weren't really heard of. But so that for them was very sophisticated, whereas now we're really spoiled by that sort of thing. So come on, what's your what's your number one? Then? Well, we all know what number one for me is going to be, don't we? You know? It's 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 a story about forgetting things. It's a story about being a teenager. It's a story about being a soldier living in a gigantic city that can float for no reason whatsoever. All of that stuff being shot through the heart, 
and not to be blamed <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a gigantic ice thing. Yep. But being able to survive that, it is absolutely fantastic. There's a lot of problems with it, but it is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. It was Red Mage in the episode with White Mage and Red Mage said she loves the game, but she absolutely hates the dialogue because it, it is exactly what it's like to be a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> written that yeah yeah and i think i think for us as well because obviously you and i would you know were the same age so we would have been what 13 14 when that game came out so you know for us we're kind of going we were kind of going through similar circumstances you know i mean i know a lot of people say that oh squall is emo and it's like no he's 17 he's got abandonment issues that's gonna F someone up that's really gonna twist your noodle and then he's thrust into all of these things that he honestly doesn't care about you know it's like well how does this affect me on a personal level it doesn't i'm just following orders and you know in a, in a weird way you can easily relate that to your home life you know, you're you're a teenager you're moody because hormones and blah, and you know you in a way, your parents are like, for example, giving you chores, and it's like, well, how does this affect me, really? Yeah. I don't care. I'm just doing it because mum and mum and dad told me to. So there is that identifying factor there, and yeah, you know, the the dialogue is amazing for that. You know, because you've got Zell, who's your annoyingly upbeat teenager who's just breezed through puberty and has no problems with it whatsoever. You know. And then on the opposite end of the scale, you've got you've got like Squall and Cypher's rivalry. Every teenager had it. Mm-hmm. You know, then introduce awkward love interest, Renoa, figuring your way out through your first romance. Yeah, it spoke to a generation. And yes, it did have a lot of issues with it in terms of, you know, plot holes and that romance was a little bit forced. But overall, it came together, and it's it's such a beautiful world that they built. The lore behind it, you know, sorceresses. Wow, they put sorceresses in a game that wasn't like in the style of Final Fantasy IX, where it was you know very old school, you know, dungeons, dragons, castles, princesses. You know, they they just sort of went, nah, these are all like basically techno mages, you know, magitech, and we're going to throw in a sorceress, something that's totally off the wall. Yet they made it work. Yeah, brilliant. I also think part of Squall's problem was that jacket he wore, the fair lining. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. You, you see a guy wearing a fair line and you think one of two things. He's either going to follow instructions or you just leave him to it because oh, he's moody. He's, he's going to murder your cat. Yeah, or he's, or he's going to go at your cat. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think half of it was if you took that jacket off, people genuinely would have left him alone, I think. Yeah, well, maybe that's why he was so moody. He was just really warm. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't have <laughs> to take a jacket off. <laughs> no, either that or he was just constantly cold. I mean, he's always folding his arms. Oh, that's true, I mean, yeah. I mean, if if it was the fact that it was too warm, I mean, it's understandable because when when it was like the the seed graduation, he danced. What other part of the game did he dance? He wasn't in the uniform. Yeah, but it was. It wasn't in his normal it jacket. Was extremely awkward dancing. Oh, that dance scene was really well done. Even now, I still watch it, and I'm like, this is phenomenal. It's really held up over the years. And 
I like how it starts off really awkward and he's unsure and Renoa's leading him because she's like, nah, you're not getting out of this, bro. And then, you know, halfway through, it's like you can almost see that he's like, you know what? Let's just do this. Get it over and done with. She'll be happy. She'll probably leave me alone and I can go about my business. And then it just picks up and it all works together harmoniously. And it's beautiful. I love the ballroom scene. Love it. <laughs> it is pretty epic. I feel the reason why I like Final Fantasy in it. Just the ballroom. There's a ballroom in it. Maybe. maybe, maybe I'm still it. trying to figure out where that ballroom is in Garden. Well, I don't actually think it's in Garden because I've never found it myself. Unless well, they converted one of the big halls. If they ever do a like um you know a remake of it, can they please explain where that place is? Because <laughs> I've been walk like over the years, I've walked around Garden and I've like looked on the outside of it, going, "Is it there? <laughs> Could it be down there? Is there another floor that we can't go to because you know it's just the ballroom and there's no point other than for that scene? It's, it's the where ballroom floor." Obviously. Yeah. yeah, well, that's it. It's one of the levels you don't get to. You know, mm. you, you go all the way to the top where it's the headmaster's office. You turn left, it's his office. You turn right, it's the ballroom. That's that's it. That's... That must be it. That must be it. But yeah, no, like I've always tried to figure out where the hell that ball, ballroom is in that game. It's like crazy. But yeah, no, Final Fantasy VIII is is an amazing game. Like not just like the gameplay wise, because I love how. Um, the monsters level up with you so there's always that challenge there so you can go through that entire game level one if you wanted or you can go through and be like i'm going to level nine baby level 99 baby and you know everything's gonna be hard as nails and i'm gonna love it <laughs> and, yeah and then you take this guy right who <laughs> doesn't leave to get it for it Right. No, 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 no. You go and get it for it, right? So yeah. you f- you finish that first challenge. You finish basically the tutorial for the game, mm. right? Mm. You walk out, and what's her face goes? Quistis. Uh, Quistis goes right. I'm going back to the school. Go back to garden. Come and find me when you're ready. And you're like, now I'm going to reach level ninety nine. <laughs> well, it, it, it basically, <laughs> I, I remember watching him, and he went to the you know the the mission, the seed mission. Mm. He was level thirty four. <laughs> Right, and his companions were like level six or seven, and they were the, the enemies were just looking at them and they were dying. Yep. And then I hear yeah. from the other room, "Why are they dying? You're level thirty-four, numbnuts." Yeah. And then, <laughs> then compared to me, when I went on it, I got to the end of disc one, level nineteen, and he just went, "Oh, you're doing that? I'm just playing the game." Yeah, I'm not procrastinating by spending an hour grinding in this particular location. Yes. Yeah. Or yes. trying your best going the uh, the the fighting. Quad in, in oh, garden yeah, and taking yeah. on them T Rexes and getting your bucket your all the, the time. T-rex. And then, so it was the first time taking on the T Rex, and you're like, I've just got this great thing of Ifrit, really powerful. Whop! And then you realize it's a fire T Rex, and you've just done fire magic on it. Mm-hmm. That was another thing I liked about the Guardian Forces. Like, you couldn't have Shiva and Ifrit junctioned because they'd have an internal conflict. And it'd take them longer to summon. I really like that element of the game where it's like you had to sit there and think who who was going to get what, and then obviously you you built a relationship with the uh, the GF. So the higher your relationship points, I can't remember what it's actually called on there. Um, it's, it's funny because I've been, been streaming it on Twitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was it got silly. <laughs> it was it was late. I was talking to a friend, and yeah, just it, it's 
it's been saved. You can watch it, and I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> you'll, you'll find I do that a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll apologise for stuff in advance because I know how rotten I can be sometimes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I like that. So like, if you had um, a low relationship with them, they take forever to summon. But if I like, say Quetzalcoatl, for example, and you had him on Squall from the beginning, it's like summon zip. He's there. <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved it. And then, of course, Triple Triad. And probably the most controversial thing you'll ever say about Final Fantasy VIII, got to say, Uematsu's best work. Yes. Like, yes. holy heck. I can listen to Breezy all day. Just a, a quick question. I'll ask. I'll ask a progman this as well. But yes, the uh, no, it's, it's not even. I like it. But um, in regards to Final Fantasy VIII, I mean, this summons in Final Fantasy VII, but in Final Fantasy VIII, it turns up when it wants. You're going to get it in a second, but don't, don't say the name yet. It turns up when it wants, and then if you, if um, Cipher attacks it before Disc One, he turns into a ninja. Oh yes, right now, I've I've had this argument not with not with Ike my friend but with his friend how you pronounce it bear with me because his friend's an idiot okay i'm not gonna name names okay. but his friend's an idiot now i just i'm just gonna ask you know what someone i'm on about don't you I odin and gilgamesh odin right yeah that's how you pronounce it and that's how everyone pronounces it yes yeah i got into a 40 minute blazing argument with just the pronunciation of it because ike's friend called him odin yeah that was essentially my reaction, and then I got it was just a forty-minute heated argument. It's like people calling Tifa Tifa, though I've heard some bizarre pronunciations on earlier games. Like Edea is one where uh, pr- people have pronounced it as like Eday. Uh. <laughs> Sounds like a day of the week. What day is it? Yeah, E-day. I know like, Eday, and it's like no, it's Edea. Well, why do you, why is it idea? Why the why the um the stress on the e? Well, if you look at how it's spelled in Japanese, it looks like it says idea, and i has an e sound in Japanese, so idea. Mm-hmm. And it's just like use your brain. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's quite bizarre that you say that it's Odin. His name is the the thing that gets the pronunciation. Uh, battle because normally it's his attack um, Zantetskan mm-hmm. that people so that's have. How you pronounce it? Yeah, Zantetskan. I'm not going to tell you what I called it for a while. I'm not. Um, not. If it's anything like my younger brother, was it uh, Zantetsukan? I call. I actually said Zanzukan. Ah, yeah. My younger brother he called it Zantetsukan for a long time, well, but it was like, no, it's Zantetskan. I saw the name of the attack on the screen once. And I was never concentrating whenever he turned up, especially on Final Fantasy VIII. So I just saw it as Zetsuken. That's fair. Which mm. is is less offensive, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it comes to pronunciation, you know. Yeah. Plus I was I was ten at the time, I think. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So what about you, Squidgy? Yes. Well, I surprise you a little bit, actually. Um, I feel like I know what one of them is. So I'll I'll just do a quick parallel because. Um, Kaprogman mentioned Final Fantasy VII. I got into Final Fantasy VII, I think, the same time I got into the Pokemon games. 
which I still oh, play okay. now. Yeah. And what that did was it Final Fantasy VII and Pokemon side by side because I flip between them. Final yeah. Fantasy mm. VII introduced me into the complexity of setting up characters. Yeah, um, getting the, the right weapon, getting the right material, finding out what material does, leveling that up, getting different things. And on the flip side of the coin, um, I think Pokemon taught me more about advantages and disadvantages for like poison, ice, fire, that okay. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Not Final Fantasy Seven, but mm. Pokemon taught me that. And yeah, yeah. with playing them side by side for so long, I eventually got to a point where it started to click and make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd struggle like hell, and then suddenly it just all made sense. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those light bulb moments. So your favourite Final Fantasy game is Pokemon, right? No, I'm comparing it. <laughs> I'm just comparing it. It's ever so slightly of how I went, but no. It's just it's just Final Fantasy Seven. I think it is, it is overhyped, as you mentioned. Um, but it's, compared to the ones before it, it's the one that was a hell of a lot more complex. Oh, yeah, totally yeah. agree. Um, so th- there was that, but if, if we're going from three to one, let's see. Um, uh, I know what number one is. I've got a fair idea of what number two is. I'll mention number three. This is where I'm probably going to get yelled at and told I'm wrong, but it's Final Fantasy Ten Two. And the whole reason for that is I got... I know, bear with me. I have a reason. Right, I have a reason. Okay. Scantily quite girls? No. (laughs) Half a reason. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I actually played Final Fantasy X before that, and I got really far into the story. Mm -hmm. And then it got to a point where I was playing it, and I realised, despite what the story is, I realised I had an absolute hatred for religion in games. Mm. Absolute hatred. And what I mean by hatred for religion in games, it's if it if there's a complex story to it, I hate it. If the story is basically there's a religion, the leader of the religion is a bad guy, you take out them, game over, I can deal with mm. it. Yeah. It's, it's a lot simpler. If you've got a, a complex story behind it, then you've got like... Um, you, you, can, you can even get to a point where the, the bad guys, you can either sympathise or you can understand what they're doing. And yeah. um, in, in that respect, I'm kind of like, no, I'm not doing that. He's a bad guy. Yeah. That's it. I'm not feeling for him. He's a bad guy. End of story. I can end up almost feeling sorry for enemies, especially in a religious setting in a game. Mm. I just can't. It just it, it puts me off. So I realised very quickly that um, I hated the religion in that game, the sin, the summoning, everything about it. I just I, I just developed a real hatred for it. Mm. Um, then when I was playing that, I noticed that there was Final Fantasy X too. And I I got so far into it, and then I saw Yuna as a different character. She wasn't all dressed in the robes, you know, completely fresh look. I'll give that, I'll get that and give it a go. And comp- it basically, the, um, apart from the scantily clad thing, but basically the reason why I played Final Fantasy X too is that the shift in tone from religion, the occasional um, giggle and guffaw and heavy story to, yeah, all right, I, I will say like a progman, it is like let's play dress up, but there's a hell of a lot more, I suppose, bordering on slapstick humour in it. Which I get. It, but... it, for me, it was a breath of fresh air. 
I get that. I do. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't dispute that in that sense, you know, it was a, it was a step forward for mm. the world of Spira and for Yuna. But at the same time, it kind of felt like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to drop a casual swear in here. I'm sorry. Yeah. It kind of felt like it pissed all over 10. <laughs> It really did because it's like, yes, I understand that Yuna's got to move on with her life and she can't always be the high summoner. She can't always live her life for other people. I get that. But it just kind of felt like it took away from the message of 10, Mm. you know, and that's my gripe with it is, you know, and then uh, like there's other little gripes I have with it. Like most of my friends who know me, very very well is that my biggest gripe with 10 was Lulu and Walker <laughs> on what planet did someone think that was a good idea because again that felt like it pissed on their characters yeah because despite my feelings um with Walker I don't actually hate him but it just felt like <sighs> the in order to introduce pain, that they had to have a, a valid reason as to why Lulu wouldn't go along. And it's like, oh, so we're just going to pair her off with Walker and she's going to be pregnant, that's it. And it annoyed me because I, like, I never saw them as being romantic in 10. I saw them as being a family. And that's just as important as romantic feelings. And I would have been very happy if they'd have just had it so that Lulu and Walker turned around to her and said, look, this is your time and it's also our time. And we're done leaving the island. We're done traipsing all over Spira. We just want to stay home for a while and build our lives away from that. And that would have been more satisfactory for me. You know, because Kimari went off back to Gargazet and he started building his life there. So why couldn't they have a build their life in Besaid without them being romantically involved? Plot, probably. Plot reasons. Yeah, it really did my head in. It really (laughs) did. It's just like, you know, it's almost like Square felt that for a female character to be fulfilled, that she had to have a romantic conclusion. And Lulu never struck me as the kind of character that needed that romantic conclusion. Yeah, Lulu kind of strikes you as a character that if you piss her off, she'll just set you on fire. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's she's a wonderful character. I mean, obviously, that's, you know, that's the name I go by online is Lulu because I have a lot of respect for her as a character. And yeah, there were just some things in 10 and that's one of them that really wound me up. But mostly because with pain, she was like a really bad imitation of Lulu. You know, and I know a lot of people's arguments are like, oh, well, Lulu would have stopped her from going. They wouldn't have had as much fun. And it's like, really? She would have stopped her from going? Did you not listen to her in 10? They tried to stop Yuna from being a summoner. And when they realized they couldn't, they became her guardian because they it was a case of, well, we can't beat her. So we'll join her. That's not the the naysayer there they were happy to do that for her. And if Yuna had wanted Lulu with her, because a lot of people forget Lulu's in her early twenties. She's still a young woman. She would have gone with her. And I think it would have been just as fun. It would have been like, you know, cause they were like a little family unit. And then you just introduced pain. Like where the hell did you come from? 
And it'd have been it'd have been more of if they still would have kept the dress up side of it, it'd have been Riku and Yuna do it and Lulu would just go, No. <laughs> do it like I'll use magic just no no they could have had a fun dynamic with them but instead they decided that pain was the way forward and it just it felt jarring and it felt a pain <laughs> I have a lot of valid gripes with Ten Two. it's not just oh it was all girls and they just played dress up I don't care about that <laughs> you know it was nice to have an all female cast for a change but you know it's not that great it's not that great the story didn't really make a lot of sense either well that's my number three my number two was I think the first Final Fantasy game I actually got heavily into, never completed it though, was, um, I can't remember which one it is over here, but it's the one where you start off and you're in three mechs. Six. I got got heavily into that and it was the the first Final Fantasy game that I actually recognized there was a story and I got mm. drawn into it mm. and there was certain points in the story you know where it just happens and you've got to push mm. a button to continue and just sat there sat back whoa hang on wait a minute did that just happen kind of thing there was a lot of points in that and there was also a lot of points where I thought oh, well you're going down obviously mm. <laughs> mm. Um, but Final Fantasy 6 was the first Final Fantasy I actually took notice of the story it wasn't just keep going, let's just get into a fight. It was the first time I actually took notice of what was going on. Yeah. Um, especially since I was eight at the time, which was kind of strange for me to actually take notice of a game where I didn't just button bash. That's an ambitious game for an eight-year-old. Well, I, I didn't say I was any good at it, but I eventually got further into it. <laughs> but it was it was another example of, a I feel like, a fully fleshed-out villain. Hmm. Kefka, yeah. Of all of the Final Fantasy villains that I've ever had to take on, I feel like Kefka's one of the most villainous. Yeah, he he's certainly well-rounded, and mm. I think even when he becomes uh, God Kefka, mm. I, the, the change in him is amazing because he's gone from being, you know, your sta- like standard Kefka where he's a bit, bitten up bar let's be honest you know he'll scream he'll shout he'll complain about having sand in his boots he wears crazy makeup and then he becomes a god and he's gotten everything he wants yet he's got this sort of like ambivalence to it all because it's it's that old adage of like you know what is what is a god to a man so on and so forth he doesn't have that connection with everyone anymore so when they're coming to fight him he's just like why are you fighting me why why do you have this need to fight me because you're you're born you'll grow old you'll die that is the cycle of your life so why are you fighting why not just give in to the inevitable and that shift in tone in his character beautiful because he's, you know, he's a god and he, you know, you're expecting him to be even more maniacal. And then he's just like, I'm a god, nothing matters anymore. I, I mean, I don't remember much of the actual story because I haven't played it since. But I, mm. I, I, I always remember that, especially for how old I was as well. I was surprised at how much I took in mm-hmm. and how much I actually started to care about the characters. It was really odd. Yeah, no, brilliant 
brilliant storytelling. Definitely a, a defining moment um, when when it comes to Final Fantasy games. Now, before I, I say my number one, I just want to give a quick honourable mention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll say this as a series of games, because there was two of them. Um, I'm, I mean, outside of Final Fantasy, I'm a big fan of rhythm games to a point. Um, and I can't remember the, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I can't remember the name of it, but it was the Final Fantasy game on the 3DS where it was all about rhythm. Theatre rhythm, That's yeah, the I've got them. One and two, and I'll be honest, it, it um, for me it was a lot of fun, and I also use them, I'll be honest, I, I play them while I'm sat at the hairdressers. <laughs> Good games. But for 40 odd minutes doing Fine. nothing. keep rubbing it in. I can't <laughs> hairdressers, can I? You could if you went. You don't have to have anything done, do you? That's a very good... Just rock up to the hairdressers and sit don't on the Don't mind me. Yeah, I'm just sitting here playing a video game. Who are you waiting for? Bit, waiting for? It's only a bit of bloody piece of quiet I get. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been to an hairdresser, have you? It's not, Look at my head. It's not, do I need to go it's to not the hairdressers? It's not piece of quiet in the hairdressers, I'll tell you that right now. No, um, Theatre Rhythm is a good game. Again, mainly for the nostalgia because of all the music that's played in it. It's just like, you sat, like, I love it. I, I, I've got both of them. I've got the collector's editions because, you know, I'm a collector's edition whore. Sorry, <laughs> have my money square. But no, <laughs> so good. So, so good. Oh, love it. Absolutely love it. Such a good idea. And I'm glad they did it. And yes, more of that, please. But my my newborn game, I think I chose it because of the the fine line between sort of like the characters building friendships, certainly the slapstick humour, and how the story hits you in the face. Can I take a guess? Go on. No, you see, before you do, right? If I'd have had an honourable mention, it would have been this one. Go on. Sorry, carry on. What do you What do you think it is? I think it's Final Fantasy Nine. Yep. Yeah, I, I thought so. For me, it had the right mix of story progression, building relationships between the characters. Mm-hmm. A hell of a lot of slapstick. Yeah. But th- the thing with that game for me is that when it hits you in the feels, it comes sudden. And yeah. it doesn't just hit you in the feels, it hits you in the face with a tank. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. All I've got to mention, I think the best version of that, all I've got to mention is Vivi on the airship. Yeah. <laughs> I've never screamed so much Go on! after he yeah. went into a trance on the ship. a point where people have wandered in the room what's up go away playing going you won't understand <laughs> i've recently watched um some that i play final fantasy 14 with um play through final fantasy 9 on twitch uh sorry a little plug here uh, <laughs> to gamer carl uh my in-game husband on 14 drogo cross area <laughs> respect remember remember to get the show notes for a link Mm. yep i i will give links uh but yeah they recently played it through because um nine is you know it's got a special little place in my heart i'm not saying it's like 
my absolute favorite but i do enjoy it because for the same reasons that you gave you know it's got this light tone to it and then all of a sudden it's just like here have feelings and you're just like whoa whoa i I did not sign up for this where are my tissues like that the ending to the game alone Mm. is oh sob fest because i think i think it's about halfway through the game that you start realizing that the story isn't being told from Zidane's perspective or uh, Princess Garnet's perspective. It's being told from Vivi's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that, you start looking at the game completely differently and you just like, this is how he perceives everyone. You know, he perceives Zidane to be like this womanizer. And maybe if it had been told from Zidane's perspective, he would have been more successful with women. But because it's told from his perspective, like Vivi's perspective, you'll see he's being a bit more honest with it because he doesn't know how else to be. And it's such a special game for that. You know, there's so many. I think the only two characters that Nine could have done without was um, Kina or Queena, however you want to pronounce it, and um, Amaram. Yeah. They, they weren't needed, really. I felt like they were throwaway characters. But characters like Freya, her story with Fratley was heartbreaking. You know, Steiner and watching him grow as, into his own person was amazing. And even watching Iko, uh, Iko, Iko, again, uh, however you want to pronounce that, such a brave little girl to leave the one place she's known for her whole life, which was very short, you know, everyone forgets that she's only six. And to go on this adventure with people she's just met because she's so desperately lonely, Mm. you know, and she, she hides that loneliness behind this brash attitude. It's amazing. It's brilliant writing. And again, Uematsu did a fantastic job with the soundtrack and, like I say, the little bits of slapstick. Like, my favourite scene in that whole game, I'm not going to lie, when they're in Medane Sari and Vivi and Zidane are peeing off the side of the cliff. (laughs) Tinkle, tinkle. I love that scene. It's my favourite because it's just so human. I I do love the game for moments like that, but if if I have... Pet peeves with the game. There's only two. Mm. First of all, the section where he plays Beatrix is too short. Yeah, it's shockingly short. We, She's we, a bamf, and I needed more. Yeah, we <laughs> we, we we need more Beatrix. And the, yes. my, my my second problem is it. Well, not really a problem. It's just a a thing. Is at the beginning, the very beginning. You know, before you start playing the Vivi, where there's the the guy walks through the streets. And he says, mm-hmm. oh, this, this way to, I want to be a canary. You know, he blows the trumpet. Yeah. There's not enough trumpet blowing in Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> no. <laughs> there needs to be a lot more of that. <laughs> so whenever I play it, I have a sound file of a trumpet, and every 20 minutes I play it. <laughs> you see, I recently <laughs> discovered that Final Fantasy IX, the timeline, all of that happens in the space of three months crazy right which puts the whole garnet be again spoiler for people that don't know but when garnet goes mute if you look at it in that time frame it's like she's literally mute for two days 
in terms of story. And that's one of my gripes is that that was an opportunity for them. I mean, I understand in terms of gameplay that it got frustrating because, you know, she couldn't cast spells and it comes up, you know, can't cast spell uh, dagger or garnet whatever you call her in the game can't concentrate and it is frustrating but at the same time it was an opportunity for her and Zidane to grow closer because it he would have had to understand how to read her mm. and that I think for me personally that was an opportunity missed and it was resolved far too quickly for my liking so yeah, I mean the gripes I have with nine are very minimal. The the game overall is amazing. I love that they brought like the job system back, you know, that you had your your dragoon, you had your thief, your knight, your summoners, your white mage, you know, I love that. I did also like the fact that you could play doubles. That was a nice little touch, you know, you and a friend could actually play a Final Fantasy together. So that was cool. Mm. So, yeah, no, that's a good, solid choice, and uh, I commend you on it, but 10 mm. 2, you might want to rethink that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to, I'm still saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, dear. Oh, oh dear. Needs improvement, I think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, maybe a B. Plus. <laughs> yeah. I can live with that. I can live with that. So that was the end of part two of our discussion with uh, Lulu. Be sure to go over to waffleytailors.rocks to check out the show notes, to look at places where you can follow Lulu and follow us and read up about stuff and some links and some interesting stuff that we talked about. Check all of that. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one, it must be really weird because, you know, we've talked about stuff and covered stuff for part one in part two. But anyway, mm. yes, do that um, and come back next week for part three which should be, I mean, I could sit here and count down the time, but it would be a week-long episode. Nobody wants that. That's a really long outro video. Then. Yeah, you know what that, no, nobody wants that. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GK. Spider Break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. See the show notes for more details. <laughs> so, yeah.